Okay, everyone. Uh, welcome to Acumen's podcast, and this week we have a very special guest with us. Um, we have Ian Clark with us, and welcome, Ian. Welcome to India. Welcome to Acumen, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Amir. Welcome to the world of podcasts. Um, I'm I'm new at this, so bear with me. But looking forward to the conversation. It's great to catch up with you again after we've been denied close contact for such a period of time with this uh, pandemic situation. Okay, so for our listeners, a quick introduction to Ian, although he needs none. Um, Ian is a well-known aviation enthusiast and experienced professional. Uh, he has a career span of more than 37 years in aviation industry. Uh, he's had a wonderful four-year tenure as CTO of Avalon, where he spent more than 10 years uh, building Avalon from early stage lessor to a, to number two in, in the leasing industry. Um, Ian has had significant contributions in, in Avalon's growth, uh, you know, including mergers and acquisitions. And his prior tenure in aviation also includes uh, senior management positions in leading airlines in UK and MROs as well. Uh, I'm more than delighted to have Ian part of Acumen's advisory team now. He joins us as a as an asset management advisor, where we look forward to your experience, Ian, in uh, shaping our asset management strategies in your advisory on on what we should be doing going forward and your and your experience in in the field of commercial lease management and training support as well so warm welcome once again ian and uh, we have a few questions for you since we have you here it'd be a pleasure i mean it's a pleasure to be here it's a pleasure to take the questions and thank you for such a generous introduction thank you so ian first question in the 40 years that you've spent in the industry, you would have seen several industrial cycles, um, events that have been shaping or reshaping the industry as, as it uh, has evolved. Uh, we are emerging out of a pandemic, which was an unprecedented event, at least my generation, your generation as well. Uh, what do you expect or what is your opinion on how this industry is going to adapt to this? What what challenges it could face and how it will it will reshape or what's your what does your crystal ball say my my crystal ball uh, first it shines brightly i think the industry as a whole has always demonstrated it can adapt um, i do think this recent challenge uh, which we are showing a positive transition out of but we know we're not there yet globally uh, certain uh, jurisdictions lag behind and uh, we, we just wish them well in reaching the same stage as others who are at an advanced stage of setting targets and goals to get back to pre-pandemic uh, right. states. I think the resilience of the industry, uh, we look back, we, we have other examples in, in my uh, period in the industry. We've had SARS, we've had volcanoes, we've had 9-11s, um, and each time it's a crisis, uh, each time it's unprecedented. Um, but on this occasion, I think this, this COVID pandemic has been uh, just an enormous global impact, uh, which is where it differs slightly to some of the other experiences I have lived through in my tenure in the industry. 
Um, I think the the green shoots of optimism are definitely there. Um, I, as I say, I, I look at China and I just I just hope they could they could join us. And it seems to be regrettably for that region, you know, one step forward, two steps back. But we have to hold belief that they'll that they'll get there. And I'm pretty sure. Well, I'm absolutely sure they will. Um, the industry as a whole, if we if we break it into you know a, a few sectors that we understand, if we look at the OEMs, um, even before the pandemic, you know everybody understands Boeing's uh, you know very challenging situation with the Max aircraft and the difficulties that presented. Uh, we know that um, in my previous tenure with the with the the lessors, we were locking horns with the OEMs on production rates. We felt production rates were too high uh, and there was oversupply, which mm-hmm. was disturbing the dynamic that we, we would prefer to exist uh, in operating leasing and opportunities. Um, uh, and I, I think the, we won't be able to change the OEM's approach. I think right. production rates and ramping up rates will be something they, they, they strive for. Uh, but I think on this occasion, they face challenges that are unprecedented in um, recommencing the supply chain. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we mentioned the pandemic and the crises, uh, but another crisis that will go into history now is the conflict with Russia and yes. Ukraine. Um, the oil price comes back again to be a problem, something we maybe uh, not thought about in great detail for a period of time, but it's there again now. Yes. And the consequences, the knock-on effects of that will be significant. The supply chain, when we look at raw materials and reliance on Russia as a region and Eastern Europe as a region, yeah. uh, unquestionably that will put additional challenges on the on the uh, OEMs. Um, so th- th- there's a lot to go on uh, in the in the OEM arena, but I think they they definitely will recover. Um, I think most people in this in the industry, as I understand it, think that Airbus, if we just pick on Airbus and Boeing as the two big main players. Airbus have an advantage over Boeing still. Uh, there is the, Lex Magus, the the legacy of the problems with the MAX. Yeah. There are still issues with the 787. There are delays with the 777. Yeah. And at the moment, the, the sun shines down on Airbus, you know, but I'm sure they, they don't get, become complacent or, or get cocky in this situation. But the XLR A321 uh, is becoming a very real aircraft. Um, it could see a significant shift change, which I think a lot of people have expected, uh, to smaller smaller aircraft and more frequent sectors. Um, but equally, as we've gone into this pandemic, uh, leasing companies, airlines, we've seen aircraft go into storage and there was an expectation a lot of them would never come back out. I think a higher proportion will return uh, mm-hmm. in, into, into the industry. Um, maybe certain asset classes, you know, very large aircraft, A380s are still very questionable and it's, it's, it's inevitable with the A380 because, you know, Airbus have stopped the production. Um, but A330s were a concern and uh, passenger to freighter uh, conversions seem to be, you know, very positive in regards to the life cycle for those mm-hmm. aircraft. So the industry, again, proves its resilience, its creativity. Uh, you know what it can do. I think if we if we stop and think a moment though for the airlines, uh, for 
the MROs and, and for the service providers, um, that there's still it's still a little opaque uh, as to how that is developing. Mm-hmm. Um, the airlines, um, I think it's 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 good news in the majority of cases. Uh, demand for flights is definitely uh, significant and on the increase in many regions we're told it's at pre-pandemic levels but I think the challenges are more than just uh, passenger appetite and ability to fly the challenges are airport infrastructures our pilots are every every aspect that we know you know uh, is required for an aircraft to safely enter into operational service and move passengers around the, around the globe. Um, furloughs, layoffs in airports, in MROs, in the OEMs, in the supply chains. It, it's gonna take time for that stuff to heal and to be reestablished. Um, so yeah, I, I think that, that, that gives us a, a general flavor as how I'm thinking and people that I catch up with and yeah. Uh, we, we discuss and, and we uh, offer opinions as how it's happening. But I think that the main message really is optimism. Um, yes. I think the, the green shoots are there and uh, the, the industry is on the way back. But there's a, it, there's a few bumps in the road and uh, there's a lot of delays in the airports and maybe some uh, unfortunate uh, negative uh, media coverage of, yes. of what I believe are isolated situations uh, which regrettably uh, taken at face value by the reader or the receiver of information uh, may deter the appetite to travel etc because they think the airport's shambolic they're going to be trapped there all day and all night Uh, i've traveled frequently in the last six months and I, maybe I've been very fortunate, and I hope mm. I don't jinx my journey home from India this time. <laughs> but I haven't suffered, you know, anything that you would consider to be a significant delay. Right. Awesome. So you you touched upon a, a, a few things, and and there's a follow up question uh, where you touched upon certain game changers, right? Like every cyclic event or every uh, market altering event typically uh, gives emergence to certain innovative solutions and um, you, you mentioned uh, a couple of them uh, such as you know the re-emergence of potentially dead uh, asset classes like the large jumbos. Um, what in your opinion could be the game changers for the next three years, the three year period because we are emerging out of a, a two year long yeah. cycle. Um, it's, it's a good I, question. I it's a good question. It's a good question. I think I'd, I'd take it in in two parts, Amir, sure. if I may. I think first the main game changer before we get to the to, to the the machinery to the to the mm-hmm. assets. Uh, the main game changer for me is the people in the industry and the flexible working. So I think right. uh, across the industry, those that needed to have managed to sustain and even over deliver. Uh, in their tasks, whatever they may be, in a remote working environment. So I think that's a significant game changer that has a, a great many positives, right. but it also presents many challenges as we resume to uh, normalization. Mm-hmm. But I think the new normal uh, carries a percentage of employees enjoying flexible working, maybe having screens and laptops like uh, never before and home working stations etc so I think that is something that this pandemic uh, 
has maybe delivered a degree of positivity to the individual. Right. Um, so I, I think that's a significant game changer. I think then if we focused in more detail on our industry and our aircraft and, mm -hmm. and you know the next three to six years, um, I, I would compare it to I have seen an enormous acceleration of electric vehicles, electric cars. The appetite in Europe is enormous, the appetite in Scandinavia, I, I think that the close to 70% of new vehicles are all electric that right. are being sold. Um, and so I think that comes right back on the agenda when you talk about in the next three to six years. So the, uh, the former ESG discussions, the, mm -hmm. the carbon footprint, the emissions, I, I think that is going to be once again uh, the big agenda item. Um, I, I think the sustainable fuels and what that looks like, how that uh, can have an infrastructure that will work. Uh, and then also, I think it calls into question uh, the longevity of, of other assets. You know, mm -hmm. remarkable machinery, aircraft that uh, we used to talk about having a 25 year life cycle. Right. Um, I, I think, regrettably, people talk, you know, is 25 years really the, the, yes. the right calendar life for equipment nowadays? Is it shorter? Um, but as, as we see the new technologies come, Mm -hmm. as we can reduce on emissions, where, as we can get to sustainable fuels, that there will be an impact on the assets. Right. Uh, but again, as, as we discussed in the opening, Gambit, the industry is resilient. It finds ways to adapt, to change. Uh, will they be retrofit solutions? You know, is it mm -hmm. not the whole asset that's, uh, yeah. that goes to the grave? Um, so I, I think that will be... Uh, something an agenda item none of us will be able to avoid we're, we're all going to see it i think we're all going to watch it with interest because uh the social conscience for our clients our planners right. uh definitely you know my kids and uh probably everybody else's kids now you know they, they want to know what have we done to this planet and how yeah. are we going to repair it yeah and aviation is a target i think occasionally unfairly uh picked upon compared to other modes of transport and other influences on the planet. But uh, it's the one that seems to take the brunt and carry the burden. Uh, and I think the OEMs are up for the challenge. Um, and then I think the airlines will, you know, absolutely embrace the opportunities with the technologies that, that help us go. So, yeah, a bit of a, a long-winded long -winded answer, but I, I do think your three to six year um, horizon is going to see a great deal of focus on that. Excellent. And yeah, you, you mentioned something about ESG and, uh, you know, part of that whole ESG um, push uh, also includes a lot of unmanned vehicles, EV tolls. Uh, and while you've been at Avalon, Avalon has been one of the pioneers pushing, putting their weight behind, putting their um, you know, uh, best foot forward in terms of EV yeah. tolls. We've heard a lot of um, very positive coverage about their uh, partnership with Vertical and what they're doing in the EV toll space. Uh, can you tell us from an urban mobility perspective, uh, where does that, to what extent I should say, does that really augment the, uh, the last mile with the middle mile or the long haul? 
and and the urban mobility piece uh, how well uh, complemented are these two categories i, I think i i have to go um, in a direction with that question Mia, on on a a, a very uh, personal opinion perspective um, sure. the the evitol initiatives in avalon my, my former employer um, you know they, they've occurred really uh, in my absence um, oh. and uh, th- there's excellent resource being applied i think avalon again uh, demonstrate the the thought leadership the the esg conscience um, and they have really taken the initiative but i i wasn't close to any of that uh, but what I am close to is is following the industry mm-hmm. um, and observing uh, the EVITOL um, progression. I, I recognize uh, without detailed knowledge of what Avalon are involved in with Vertical, but I, I, I recognize uh, not only Vertical, but other uh, yep. people interested in, in that market, people who are investing significant capital uh, in the belief that this is the future. And I think we, personally, I think we all have to agree with them. I, I think it's commendable that people are looking for, you know, all electric, uh, evitol solutions. Um, it being here in India and uh, the journey to the office in Bangalore <laughs> or the journey from the airport uh, to the hotel, and you look at the congestion and yeah. then you look upwards and I don't count one helicopter. Yeah. You know, so the, the helicopters are there and they could shortcut a lot of that journey for Absolutely, people. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, but it's not cost effective, it's not affordable, and, it, and it's not environmentally friendly. Right. Um, but I, I do think the all-electric Evertol solution, if we pick on Bangalore or um, a city in Brazil that's very close to Avalon's heart is Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. Um, and you know, so areas of high density, high populations, um, it, it's got to be something positive. Um, when you're as old as me and you look back, it was just it, it was a cartoon, you know, and it was the Zoonies. Uh, <laughs> and and it, but this is going to be very real. The activity when we look up yep. is going to be immense. Um, I, I watch with interest, particularly the. The technology, the, the assets that are going to perform, you know, these journeys for mm-hmm. us, uh, the passenger loads that they will take, but then also my curiosity goes even further. You know, the infrastructure. Yes. You know, okay, um, I, I don't know how many helipads are in Sao Paulo, how many helipads are in yeah. uh, Bangalore or the, or the other big cities in India, uh, but we're going to see more, or you know, secondary or tertiary airfields. Uh, you know, that can accommodate this. And then all of the ATC that needs to go around this, um, it's, it's going to be fascinating. But I, I do believe it's coming. Um, and I do think it's something that, you know, our, our populations will embrace. Um, right. Yeah, and it would definitely be a solution to get people uh, quickly across congested areas. Right. Um, you can think of all the business advantages for it, but you can also think of the... You know the medical cases, etc. Yeah. You know, yeah. me- medical yeah. helicopters yeah. Uh, are are a wonderful thing. You know, all over the world, uh, and if we can develop a, an infrastructure around evitols uh, that can shortcut situations like that, or can help a businessman get to a meeting, 
right. um, isn't it just a great thing? And it, it's it's so you know uh, reduces the damage we're doing to our environments as well. So I think it's inevitable, and it's yeah. going to be a positive. And and um, you know, kind of a sister segment to it is the drone technology, and you know this whole push towards um, unmanned vehicles being used for you know delivering packages uh, or you know uh, this whole push towards uh, using drone which in conventional uh, industries has been typically a military application or non-civil applications in most cases um, does it equally fascinate you uh, in terms of the drone tech because again it, it takes a lot of cue from aviation uh, but that's also becoming a commonplace uh, in in regular life and what that would mean in terms of transferable technology coming from drone tech into into um, mainstream aviation i, I think so it, it it's um, it, it, it's a significant game changer when it when it enters because you look at the drones you look at you know deliveroo or whatever the equivalent might be mm-hmm. um and the the man on a bicycle or, or on a scooter who is delivering parcels food uh whatever it may be and yeah we we, we already know of examples where drones are dropping off parcels uh, making delivery deliveries so proof of concept is there um i think uh for those of us in the industry such as ourselves it's it's the unmanned elements of it that yeah. is the uh the really fascinating point you know it's um i i went on an, an um i traveled in an unmanned vehicle in abu dhabi 15 years ago wow um and it, it was it was bizarre uh and then in more recent years we we understand what tesla can do and what many drivers choose not to do with the technology the car provides mm. um, but it's it, it's a significant advance and it it, it seems inevitable to me it's going to happen um, I, I think that level of confidence for the passenger though is a significant um, issue to overcome uh, and like everything in aviation you know all of us who work in aviation um, when we're talking to any external parties, when you're working for airlines, for MROs, top of the agenda is safety. Yes. Um, you know, so we 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 can't spoil what could be something beautiful, wonderful, innovative. Uh, so, but the, the, all eyes and uh, expectations will be on the highest level of safety once again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So. Uh, I mean, to comp- just just to uh, just as a last point, so ranked on the most innovative, let's say the most innovative things on the left of the scale and the most realistically adoptable on the right. Uh, where would you put these three uh, things? Like, if we say sustainable fuels, um, electric, possibly electric engines in the future on the on airplanes, um, EV tolls and drones. Uh, where would you put these on on that scale? Okay, um, so I, I, I'd love to to bring in different generations here for this question, or right. for you to ask people, you know, um, ten years older than me, ten years younger than me, and ten years younger than that person. But but where I where I sit on that, it's the sustainable fuels. 
Okay. I, I see uh, that that will be, and it already is tangible. Um, so that's a safe bet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we know, you know, that sustainable fuels, uh, to some extent, whatever it's going to be, hydrogen, whatever it's going to be, mm -hmm. cooking oils, we, we don't know, but we know that that is going to happen. Right. Um, I think uh, in the middle of the pack then is the you know the, the, the electric EVA top. Um, again, I, I've I, I, I've no doubts that it will appear. Um, you know, aircraft or EVA tolls, however we describe them, are going to be approved. Uh, you know, prototypes will gain approval, right. and th there will be a commercial business around them. Um, yeah, uh, and sorry, remind me the third the, category. The, the drone kind of pushing technology into the civil aviation space, or like yeah, I, I I I think I think the drones again, um, maybe but to a lesser extent, they're already there. Mm. Um, if we if we uh, take ourselves back to our aircraft maintenance um, environments right. and the amount of. Uh, dedicated access climbing frames and scaffolding or, or you know how the tail docks to get up to the tail um, and that was just normal to go up and perform an inspection you know the wonder of a drone that can go up and it it, it gives you it, it, it's a boroscope that can fly eh? yeah. and, and perform it, external inspections on the tail plane on the crown skins so it, it's already there and I, I think the you know the people who are um, at least thirty years younger than me, they are innovators. You know, so the, the tech space is is full of bright minds, entrepreneurs who you know want to get on to the next good thing. And these technologies, such as drones, offer up huge right. uh, opportunities. Untapped opportunities still exist, I'm sure. Um, I probably just don't have the vision and um, that's down to my vintage I think and uh, probably tried and trusted and right. uh, you know legacy methods of doing things um, but but I do uh, tip my, my, my cap and applaud people right. you know, coming up with more creative solutions and safer solutions you know people climbing to very high heights to inspect uh, extreme points on a on a on an aircraft uh, fuselage or, or tailplane, it 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 wasn't for the faint-hearted, <laughs> and if we can now do that with a drone and a camera, right. um, I, I think that's going to be a good thing. Absolutely. Now you you mentioned uh, your vintage, and, and that obviously is one of the 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 most obvious reasons why we have you as part of Acumen and why we are delighted to have you. So just digressing from the industry and coming a little bit closer to home and closer to the the micro uh, chasm of, of this whole thing. Um, what strengths do you see that Acumen possesses um, that that you would feel are, are pivotal in in us doing what we do great today but can do better and also what are the areas that 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 you feel excited in terms of what acumen can help our customers in in achieving greater degrees of success in the coming days a good question to finish with amir i think and i would start at a very high level and maybe go for the less obvious 
um, something I've become more and more aware of, which I, I maybe had a bit of a, a blind spot for previously with Acumen, is the training department, uh, which is a, a training department that can go as far as part 147 training, uh, which surprised me, but impresses me. Um, but also a, a syllabus, a curriculum that has been created by that training part, department to uh, assist people in industry uh, to expand their knowledge of asset management activities and duties and, and how people go about their work, but, but also to be available to people uh, who may be considering entering the industry. Right. Um, and this has been a, a very pleasant surprise to be introduced and, and for Acumen to share this with me, for the training team to share this with me. Um, and I, I, I see huge potential uh, and I see huge potential to fill a gap that I have a personal concern with. I think uh, my peers in the industry, people of my generation in the, in the industry, have a concern with is that the industry doesn't have the, the right volume, uh, the right scale of new entrants, of, right. of new young people who have an appetite for a career in aviation. Uh, this training curriculum has, has, has blown me away. Uh, the level of detail, um, the accreditation to the universities, mm -hmm. Uh, the diplomas be you know people leaving this with a very credible credential uh, you know to a very high academic standard and I, I just I hope Acumen can be successful with with this venture right. I think it can be a legacy for a lock and his and his leadership team uh, to take the industry out to the classrooms to the colleges uh, and to people maybe already in the industry but, but my, my pleasure in, in seeing this really is, is the thought that we could attract young people in. We, we, could, we could see young boys and girls in classrooms who have that appetite that I think right. uh, Apollo missions generated in people of, right. my, uh, of my era, um, you know, and an absolute desire to go on an airplane or have something to do with that industry. And also I look at it, you know, it's... Um, India, Europe, the Americas, we, we've gone very tech, uh, tech sexy, you know, mm -hmm. Silicon Valley, um, tech space uh, employment opportunities. And that seems to be where the younger generation head is at. Yeah. Um, and uh, everybody wants to go for the highest level of academia and qualifications. But actually, they, they, need to, they need to have a career in something that they will enjoy. Mm -hmm. Aviation has been very rewarding, very enjoyable to, for me personally. Um, you can earn an excellent salary with pay and conditions in our industry, as we know. And I just think just uh, releasing that amongst young people once again and presenting that opportunity. Uh, I, I know in Europe, regrettably, in the UK particularly, the amount of apprenticeship opportunities to enter aviation are very limited, yeah. very small scale to what is needed. Uh, I look around the industry, whether it's in the airlines, the MROs, uh, or the leasing companies, uh, the the available, uh, suitably available personnel, it, it, it's, it's limited, mm -hmm. um, and we don't want it to dry up. So I'm very excited about the training. Right. Uh, 
elements that, that Rakimin are taking to market, and I think it's excellent. So I, I really did want to give that some air time on nice. the podcast. It's obviously the less obvious. I think if we go for the obvious, uh, the strengths of Acumen, uh, the experience that they have, uh, the adaptable workforce um, who you know do recognise they need to support their customer is something that I have been the beneficiary of. Uh, you know, in my in my leasing experience, Acumen were a very very good uh, um, ally for for the, com- the leasing company I was working with. Um, the, the breadth of skills is, is it ranges further than I thought. All of your asset management skills are well known to me. Um, you know the ability to uh, resolve issues, repossess aircraft, uh, re-deliver, and transition onto onward lease, solve all those problems, uh, and you have the back office capability and the reach uh, amongst consultants to, to perform all that to the very you know a very high standard. Um, but also, you know, it, it's interesting as well that, you know, Acumen have expanded their offering. Um, you as one of the people, Amit as the other, you are both ISTAT approvers, uh, appraisers, apologies. Um, and so valuations uh, approved to a, an ISTAT standard is, is, you know, one end of the spectrum of expertise that people can reach out for, which I think is, is very encouraging and a, an area that I'm sure Acumen would like to see expand and grow. Um, and then, yeah, the, 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 the potential in other areas of the business here is, is just, it seems to be unlimited. You know, Acumen are very willing to listen to customers' requirements and to grow into those requirements. Um, interestingly, the industry is going through a phase where more assets are entering into uh, potential part-out scenarios. Um, and I know, and I've become aware that y- you are offering guidance to the, you know, to the industry to interested new entrants in this region yeah. uh, for those activities. Uh, and I think it's fabulous, but really, you know, the, the reason I'm here is because I've enjoyed what Acumen can provide. Um, I've always enjoyed the relationship with the the personnel here, and I've always recognised the quality of the product. Um, so yeah, but I, I really I do tip my hat to the training program and the legacy I think that could create of bringing new entrants, right. bright young people into the industry who will secure excellent careers and opportunities that I, I generally will exceed their expectations, right. uh, their initial expectations, because we all enter this industry. You feel as though you have a glass ceiling and if you're a mechanic, are you always yeah. going to be a mechanic? But so many people evolve and transition into roles beyond their dreams, really. Uh, but that's what the industry offers. It offers fantastic opportunities. And that training program is something I think has been sorely missing. It, it, they're in short supply. I'm not saying they don't exist, but not, not the way this program has been constructed right. and the way I, I believe it will be delivered. Awesome. That's that's uh, so great that person of your stature and experience is actually validating that thought process of us, um, you know, putting this program forward, putting this foot forward, and giving back to the community. Right. The the Absolutely. experience that we've gained over the la- over the last thirteen years, we are actually this is our way of kind of giving it back to the aviation community and and creating the next set of leaders. And it's so heartening to see that that you totally are 
bought into it you you can and and you're uh, and you're happy that we are that somebody is doing that I, and that's us i totally admire it uh, i i will i will give it my full support um yeah and yeah i'd take my hat off to acumen for for taking this approach that there aren't enough people in the industry investing in the future personnel that we would right. require uh, you know so yeah regressively i i can count them not just on <laughs> one hand but only on a few fingers, fingers. there's a there's only a few people who are doing this kind of thing right. uh, and acumen getting involved i think is is very credible and something they should be applauded for yeah thank you thank you ian and i mean again once again so many thanks for for being in bangalore for giving your time and also for you know joining us as in this advisory role we can all definitely learn a lot from you and we hope to see you more often in bangalore uh, and and you know hope to see you on more interactions in the future well, thank you thank, thank you, you for introducing me so to much. podcasts thank yeah, you Ian. very enjoyable thank you that's it uh, our listeners this is the end of the podcast until the next time when we have another special guest on it goodbye for now to know more reach out to us at sales@acumen.arrow or support@sparta.arrow we would be happy to assist